Amen. All right, I want you guys to turn with me to Joshua. I want to look at Joshua chapter 3. And we're going to go through all of Joshua chapter 3 today. It's a good chapter. And so I'm going to read two verses, and I want you guys to read the uh, remaining two verses, and we'll go on to the very end. So if you're there, just say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You got to do it with a song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. All right. Awesome. So much fun when you have the mic. Okay. All right. Joshua chapter three. I'm going to start with verses one and two. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim and they came to the Jordan. He and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of the three days, the officers went through the camp. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord, your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites and the Jebusites. And, oh, and when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So wait a second. That's my verse. So when the people set out from their tents. To pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. 
And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Amen. You know, when I read Joshua, I love, 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 love the book of Joshua. And probably because for me, I think I can relate a little bit in terms of someone feeling like they are about to step into someone else's really big shoes. I don't know if you've ever been promoted or if you've ever been uh, challenged to take up a position that you feel quite unworthy of, maybe uh, unprepared for, possibly inadequate for. And here Joshua has, and, and the person that went before him out of all people has got to be Moses, the man. Moses that parted the Red Sea. Moses that put the ten plagues on Egypt. I mean, Moses, to everybody else, Moses was like the man who saw God face to face, who came down from Mount Sinai with his face shining. Ah, glorious. And Joshua's like, um, yeah, I, I got I to gotta follow him. Now I got to follow into his footsteps. And I think for me, when I read Joshua... I, I can almost imagine what it must have been like for him. And I can almost feel like, even in my life, there have been so many uh, positions that God has put, put me in that I'm like, what am I doing here? How did I even get here? This is crazy. You know, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, or was it last week? Two weeks ago. I don't even remember. Christian... Um, Pastor Christian decided to pull me on stage. Again, I had no idea this was going to happen. And then begin to anoint me as a co-pastor of this church. Is anybody there for that? Yeah, he didn't tell me um, that he was going to do that that day. Uh, and I remember just standing there towards him, receiving prayer, and asking myself, how did this happen? How did this happen? Really, how did this happen? And so when I read Joshua and, and, and chapter one is all about not being afraid, I get that. I get that because that's a message that God continuously challenges me in. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Why? Because I am with you. And so when I read the book of Joshua, man, it's just extremely relatable to me. However, the thing about Joshua that I love the most is he did not hinder. He did not wave to the left or to the right. And he didn't spend much time complaining about his inadequacy. In fact, I don't really see him mentioning that at all. The story of Joshua, though I can understand what he might have felt, was always the story of him in sheer obedience to God. Simple obedience to him. And with that, I really admire Joshua. So here we have in Joshua chapter 3. I mean, Joshua just got promoted. Moses passed away. The person that everybody looked up to, the person that was the man, the connection between God and them, dies. And Joshua is now exalted to take his place. And here is the brink of the, is God really with him or not? Because although Moses exalted Joshua, still, I'm sure the people of God were slightly skeptical. Have you ever been skeptical of a new leader? Come on, let's be real here. I know I have. Have you ever been skeptical of, of just the new things of God? We get so used to the old that when the new comes, sometimes our first reaction is skepticism. 
And so the people of God, I can imagine a lot of things are going through their minds like, who is this guy? I mean, yeah, Joshua was a mighty warrior. And he was one of the two spies that came back from spying out the promised land with a good report. And so he had a good reputation already. But to follow after Moses, I don't know if he can do that. But here is the chance right here where God says, I'm going to show the rest of the people that I'm with you. And so we have this uh, journey that they're in and they're about to cross the Jordan. You got to understand the moment they cross the Jordan, they've entered the promised land. So this is a significant part of their journey. They need to cross this river in order to get officially into the promised land that they've been waiting years. In fact, the generation that started off has already all died off. Right. And now this is the new generation and the generation that's supposed to enter the promised land. And so here they're so close and they have to reach this river. And Joshua gets up early in the morning. Let's stop there. I'm going to read that one more time. Joshua rose early in the morning. But the word of the Lord just convict all our hearts <laughs> right now. Okay. I just see that. Holy Spirit is just. He rose early in the morning. There's something designated about the early morning. When it comes to hearing clearly from God. Sometimes I used to think that that's the exact opposite because whenever I do time with the Lord in the morning, I'm always like, mm. so uh, a little bit confused. But really, once that passes and I'm awake, there's something about rising early in the morning. But you know, it's not just about rising in the morning. I just feel like what Joshua is doing when he rose up early in the morning represents his expectation. When he rose up early in the morning is because he was expectant for God to show up. I remember when I was in a season of depression, I didn't want to wake up. In fact, I spent a lot of time sleeping. Why? Because waking up, I had nothing to be expectant for. I had nothing to be excited about for the day. I had nothing to look forward to. Another day was just going to pass. And I remember just spending new, like just hours sleeping. But here Joshua wakes up early in the morning because he is expectant. And the first thing that I want to say to you guys is, are you expectant? Do you wake up every morning expecting God to show up in your day? Or does that only happen when there's a conference? Or when we go to church? Or when we hear a prophetic word from Pastor Benjamin that today's going to be a supernatural worship? Is that the only time we get expectant about God's power? Or is it every single day do we wake up? Knowing that God's going to show up today. He rose early in the morning and then they set out to the place that I read. I don't know how to pronounce that. And so I'm just going to refrain. Um, and here they're about to approach the Jordan River. And, you know, today what I just want to talk about is real simple. The presence of God. And why the presence of God is so crucial. Because they're about to enter the Jordan River, the last obstacle before entering in the promised land. And the very thing that they needed, needed to go before them, and that's the Ark of the Covenant. And when we talk about the Ark of the Covenant, we talk about the presence of God. And he says, go get the priests ready. And get them to get ready to carry the Ark of the Covenant. 
And make sure that there's a distance between you and the ark so that they are going before you. And that you can easily see where they're going. Because this is a way that you have not gone before. When it comes to our life with God, we are always called to go on a road that we've never gone before. And because we're called to do the new things continuously, it gets a little bit uncomfortable. And sometimes we can't predict what to do. In fact, we are desperate to have the presence of God lead us. And today, I just want to talk about how the presence needs to go first. The presence of God needs to go first. What do I mean by the presence of God needs to go first? What I mean by that is, are we discerning what God is doing in our lives and following his leading? Or are we approaching any random river and expecting him to part it? Because if this was a river that the presence wasn't leading them to, and we're saying, uh, part the river, God, and the river is imparting, what ends up happening is all of a sudden we think, well, God doesn't love me. God's not showing up. God's not answering my prayer. God's not doing this. God's not doing that. But my question is, was the presence leading you there? Was his presence leading you there? Was his presence first? Or are you going there first and expecting his presence to show up after? And he says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. You know, there's something that Steve Chua preached about last night that just really hit me. And he said, holiness is about relationship. It's not about righteousness. It's about relationship. Holiness is about relationship. Whenever we see consecrate yourselves, God is gearing up for a new level of relationship with him. When you're fasting, when you begin to set things apart, what does it mean to be holy? It means to set apart, right? And so when you begin to set things apart for God, you're saying to yourself, God, I am making way for our relationship to grow in intimacy. And I'm abandoning A, B, and C because I want to draw closer to you and you alone. And he says, consecrate yourselves. Why? Because when we're in relationship with God, signs and wonders follow. God is about to do wonders before you. And then The Lord just speaks to Joshua and says, today I'm going to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. Why? So that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. God is with you. Amen. Do you really believe that? Has there been something in your life that you're confronting today? And rather than saying God is with me, the question is, God, are you with me? My sermon to you is, God is with you. God is with you. Can you just say that to your neighbor? God is with you. God is with you in your workplace. God is with you in your family. God is with you in your most hardest circumstance. God is with you in your failures. God is with you in your shortcomings. God is with you in your mistakes. God is with you when you succeed. God is with you when you're on a spiritual high. God is with you when you feel the lowest of the low. The answer is God is always with you. Never will he leave you. Never will he forsake you. But the very thing that the devil is going to try to do is tell you he's not with you. He's not with you. You're not there with him. That very mistake. See what you just did? God ain't with you. 
But nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing can separate you from his love except this, the very deception that it's possible. The power of what we believe. But God is with you. And there's some of you in this room today and you need to hear that word that God is with you. And you're trying to do some things on your own and you're trying to figure out, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know who's with me. And God is saying, I'm with you today. And whatever you're about to confront in your life, no matter how scary it is, he's saying that I'm with you. I'm with you. He tells Joshua, I'm going to, I'm going to exalt you in front of all these people. Why? Because Joshua was Joshua. Cause it's all about Joshua. You think that's why? Because in Joshua's, when Joshua gets exalted, the truth is God gets exalted. And that's the very thing that you and I need to really understand. Even the word about prosperity that was preached last week is when you prosper, God is glorified. It is not about you, but it is bigger than you. It is bigger than you. It is about you, but it's not just about you. It's bigger than you. And when God prospers you, it's a sign unto the world that he's with you and that, in fact, God is alive. And God is saying to Joshua, guess what? I'm going to exalt you in front of all these people. But the truth is, God is saying, I'm going to show myself strong in your weakness. Get ready. Consecrate yourselves. You know, I was talking a little bit about Sunday Swim, how I believe the month November and December is going to be very crucial. And I just want to share that with you guys as well, if you aren't there. There's something special about 2012. And if you haven't really been expecting for it, I suggest you change your attitudes right now. Be excited because 2012 is going to be a phenomenal year. It's going to be a phenomenal year. And I'm talking about people finally taking their place in the body of Christ. Finally taking their place. But before we hit that mark and begin to run, God is saying, position yourselves in these remaining two months to receive. Because I believe that these next two months is going to be filled with revelation, filled with keys, filled with relationships, filled with intimacy, filled with things that we need to step and plan our feet on in the year 2012. I want you to just turn to your neighbor and say, these next two months are going to be crucial. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Why? Because tomorrow, next year, God is about to do wonders. So if you haven't already, this is just a side note. I would say set these next two months apart in some way, shape, or form. However you feel necessary, wherever the spirit leads you, set these next two months apart and position yourselves because God is about to do wonders among us in 2012. Amen? So here they stand before the the, the Jordan River, and the the Ark of the Covenant is going before them. And they're getting ready to go through this river, and they're probably thinking, okay, Red Sea, we've seen this before. And right before they go forward, God gives the command, stand still. Just stand still. And everybody's watching. I mean, the pressure must have been thick for Joshua. Maybe even the priests, because they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They're going ahead. 
And they're about to hit the brink of the rivers. And there's something is supposed to happen, right? Because God is with them. And God gives one simple command and he says, stand still. And I'm sure if I was them, that was probably the hardest thing for them to do in that very moment. Because they know something needs to happen. If I were them, I'd probably just go ahead. Or I'd probably do some sort of something that I knew worked in the past. Or I would try to do something. I would try to do something. But standing still is probably the biggest act of faith that they need to do at this very moment. At the brink of the rivers, right as their feet are touching the edge of the water, God says, stand still. Some of you guys are facing trials today. And you've been looking at it, and for some of us, we've been doing anything and everything to get through it. And you've molded a lifeboat. You've made your own little raft. You know, you decided to do this little war chant and dance or whatever you might have planned up up your sleeve. And God is saying, just stop and stay still. I want you guys to just close your eyes right now. And I want you to imagine the Jordan River in front of you. And in that river is everything you think is stopping you from entering your promised land. Whether it may be your inadequacy, whether it may be family conflict, whether it may be stress about jobs, about the future, the unknown. And look at it in its hugeness. I want you to sense the overwhelming power of those rivers. That water that there's no way you could possibly get through. To stay in that place. And I want you to imagine the very presence of God just begin to surround you like a warm blanket covering you. A peace that makes absolutely no sense. Something inside saying everything is going to be okay because I'm with you. And I want you to just stand still. Now, I want you to just begin to tell God, I trust you. Say it again, I trust you. Say it again, I trust you. For some of you, you, the rivers are filled with your mistakes. And all you see is your past failures. And it's mighty. It feels like the river is rushing. You see mistake after mistake that you've made. And it's overwhelming. Just say to that river, I trust you. I trust you, God.
Sole. Just stay there. Keep your eyes closed. And bear with me. I, I know I'm supposed to be preaching, but I almost feel like you are all about to get a tailor-made message. And I'm going to have Sola just sing. And I want you to just let the word and let the presence of God just begin to fill that place of anxiety. And fill that place of fear and fill that place of wanting to do. Where you're itching to do something and, and God is saying, wait, just stand still. Watch the very presence of God is just sweeping in that place. And it says in the word that the priests began to take their steps forward into the water. And as they did, all of the flowing waters begin to stand in one heap on one side. And their feet began to touch dry ground. And they began to walk straight into that river that was impossible that was overwhelming, that was bigger, that was greater than any strength that they could possibly have, they began to walk across that river and they began to plant their feet firmly in the midst of it. And as they did that, the people of Israel began to walk through. One by one, they just began to walk across to the other side. And they finally get to put their feet on the promised land that they heard so much about. And until every single person passed through, the priest stayed firm, feet planted in the midst 
of the Jordan, not fearing that the waves were going to come tumbling down on them at any moment, but secure in knowing that they were holding the ark, that they were with the presence of God. Now, the very rivers that you're imagining right now are opening up. And as Hula is singing, and she's going to continue to sing, but as she sings, I want you to see that the rivers are going to begin to open up and revelation is going to begin to come and the lies that have been so chained to your mindsets are going to begin to break off one by one by one by one. And you're going to see yourself crossing through into the place of impossibility, into the place of not what's safe, but impossible. And so I want you to just stay with me and I want you to begin to imagine that happening and begin to come into agreement with that in your spirit as she sings that the waters are opening up with his presence. your hand on the shoulder of the, your neighbor because watch this breakthrough is going to begin to multiply some of you it's just starting to open up and just keep your eyes closed now I want you to imagine you've now entered in the scene of your neighbor. And God is asking you just for a moment to be like the priest and to just stand firm for them because there's something that they got to get through. And I want you to just lift up quiet intercession and just say, God, I'm going to plant my feet on the promises for my neighbor, whatever they're going through. I'm going to stand in the midst of their trial and their circumstance. Just begin to just whisper. Just intercession.
That's good. Now I want you to begin to release hope. Begin to release faith. Begin to release joy. Begin to release peace. Because that ark is now inside of you. As we're reborn, it says we're now the temple of God. We've housed the very spirit of God inside of us. We don't need to physically carry it. In fact, it's within us. Where we go, it goes. And I want you to just begin to release the very presence of God over your neighbor right now. The assurance and the safety and the love that secures. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Jesus. God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God is establishing a security in each and every single one of you right now. And in fact, the very things that you were afraid of, I see it become very, very small before your eyes. And what I see is that all of a sudden, the very waves of the current that God wants to lead you to in your destiny, in your purpose, in your calling is beginning to open up. And what was confusing, I see a sense of clarity begin to sweep in in all of your minds right now. And I sense there's been a lot of confusion for a lot of you guys in this room. But God is saying clarity is coming right now as fear is being destroyed. And when I see that the waters and the rivers that once overwhelmed you is now being flattened out into dry ground before you. And all God is saying is all you need to do is stand still. All you need to do is stand still. And step by step, you're walking through that river. 
the waters are still there right next to you, standing high, but they can't touch you. In fact, not a single droplet gets on you. But as you walk across through the Jordan, following the very presence of God, you stay dry and you stay safe. And I believe that God is entering us a season where he's calling us to move forward. But not our way. Not in our way, but in his way. And in his time and in his his will. And I see each of you putting down the things that you've been trying to build on your own. And putting down the, the different things that you've been, your own uh, attempts to get across the river you're placing that down at the feet of the Lord right now Jesus yeah so Father we just solidify God, what you're doing right now, the securing that you're doing in this spirit, we thank you. In Jesus' name. All right, give your neighbor a hug and say thanks. Now, mind you, if this is your first Sunday, we don't do things like this every Sunday. I know y'all think y'all went to some sort of meditation, crazy, loony. Okay, you know what? It's not really like that. However... If y'all want to go to K1, you guys should make your way to K1 because Sole's voice, is she not, isn't that a gorgeous voice? She didn't know she was going to do that. She just did that on the spot right there. That's prayer tab- tabernacle for you. Um, but I'm going to continue preaching. Is that okay? We're not done here. So here, all of a sudden, the people of Israel is now able to walk through the Jordan River. And that is not the final step, folks. In fact, the wonders that God said he was going to do was not the Jordan opening up, but it was the victory that they were going to receive when they enter the promised land. Because as soon as they step into the promised land, guess what? They stepped foot into a place that was already in, inhabited by people. So it's not like it's promised land, empty apartment, I'm going to move in. It's like there's a family that's already there. I got to kind of kick them out. It's weird, right? But that's why there's a conversation between the Lord and Joshua in chapter 1 saying, possess the land. Why would he have to say possess the land? There's something about the word possession, and this is where I'm going to end with you guys today, because it's standing still in the presence, letting the presence lead you. But as a presence guides you through the river, possess the land. When it says possess the land, it means that you can lose it. When God says possess the promised land, he's saying that you can lose it. And what I mean by the promised land, because we don't have a physical land we're walking into, is the very kingdom reality that we're trying to bring here on earth. And what I mean by kingdom reality is all the promises of God is our promised land. And so if you see certain things in your life that does not align to the promises of God, you need to walk towards it because God wants to say yes and amen to all things. And so if you're walking towards the very promises of God, not only do you need to 
take your feet and plant your feet there. You need to stay there and you need to possess it. And you need to say, you know what? This is mine and I'm going to stay here. But this is what happens. We enter the promised land. There's a big breakthrough. The rivers part. We walk through and it's majestic and wonderful. We step through the promised land and all of a sudden the devil comes and attacks and says, you don't belong here. This is not for you. And we slowly begin to believe his lies and make our way back on the other side of the river. For example, have you ever prayed for healing and you got the healing? And the next day, the very healing that you got, the symptoms came right back up. That ever happened to you? You know, I had, I remember one time I had excruciating migraines and I asked Christian to pray for me. And actually, no, there was one time it was killing me. What was, oh, I had pain in my uh, left eye. I had some sort of infection and we were at 1038, a Friday fire. And so prayed for me and I kid you not, all the pain completely went away. And it was almost like, you know, God can do it, but you're still surprised. And you're like, wait a second. I was like, Tola, all the pain is gone. She's like, really? As if she didn't believe it was going to happen. I'm like, no, really? And both of us like, yeah. And then about 20 minutes later, I felt the pain again. See, I walked into the promised land and then I felt the pain again. And then I had a choice. Am I going to stay and possess the promised land and say, no, I've already been healed. Or am I going to make my way back into the place of sickness? Favor at your workplace. Breakthrough in your family. There are going to be times you step into the promised land and something is going to happen that's going to cause you to try to believe that it's not true. And in which case, the word is possess it. Tell your neighbor, possess it. Say, possess it it. and cut down every lie of the enemy that says it's not yours because it is yours. Amen. The healing belongs to you. The breakthrough belongs to you. The supernatural encounter belongs to you, but you and I must possess it. Just like Anita was sharing during intercession time, we all have received a lottery ticket, but we're not going to see a single penny unless we claim it. We need to possess the very promises of God. The presence leads and opens the way, but we need to stand still and possess the promise. Amen. I want you to just close your eyes. And thank you guys for just going with the flow with me today. And I know we prayed for healing earlier. But the word is still the same. Today's a supernatural Sunday. And with that, I'm just going to make room for that. And so if you need a supernatural breakthrough in your life, And this is not just for physical healing, but I'm talking about a supernatural breakthrough in your life. And what I was sensing earlier was even forgiveness, supernatural, the supernatural ability to forgive. You know, at Emmaus during uh, the last night, 
one of our staff was ministering to one of our students and, and was saying, I feel like there are people you need to forgive. What I want you to do is I want you to write it down on the palm of your hand, all the names of the people you need to forgive. And she began to make a list, a list maybe that she was surprised at how long it was. And then my staff told her, okay, I want you to write down the list. Now, when you are ready, God is going to release a supernatural ability to forgive. And the moment you raise your hand up and surrender it to the Lord, God's going to gift you with the grace. And what happens is she began to lift up her hand unto the Lord. And right when she gets about here, boom, she gets hit with the spirit. She's down and out. And people that she had the hardest time forgiving supernaturally. She forgave. You guys know that forgiveness doesn't even come from us. It doesn't even come from our own strength. When you forgive, you're already accessing the grace of God. But I'm talking about a supernatural ability. Today, God wants to give you a supernatural breakthrough. And if that's you, I want you to just stand to your feet.